Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Okay, folks, we are going through the Gospel of Luke We've been on an earth walk through this section, trying to look at the life of Jesus. And let me explain to you what's going on here. When we entered into this study, we were entering into it with a with a presupposition. A lot of us entered into it like we already knew a lot about Jesus. But the reality is, is that when you read the gospel, when you really read the gospel, and you really read what the writer is saying, you realize that you really don't know that much about Jesus. And you really realize that, man, I'm, I've been operating on some, some perceptions that maybe are wrong about Jesus or wrong about church in general. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, especially today when we look at this passage, we're going to look at verses 25 through 37. It's a familiar passage. All of you know the parable of the story of the Good Samaritan. It's the only time it appears in the Gospels. It appears right here in the Gospel of Luke. When you look at what's going on here, you begin to realize that there are some things that we maybe need to adjust in our lives. You know, when, I'm, when I look at this, let me, let me just give you a little testimony here. I've been a Christian now 26 years. When I got saved, I was saved 1985, Columbia, South Carolina. Went to a little, little bitty independent Baptist church on, on West Columbia, South Carolina. and it was, a, it was a church, traditional Baptist church. You dress up. Don't go here. You don't do this. Don't do that. And and my concept of the people who God bless are church people who dress a certain way and who who act a certain way and who don't go to certain places. And and, and that was my concept in those in those formative years of my Christianity. And and you know, and as I realize as I've gotten older now, and as I've, I've especially as I'm looking at this gospel and I'm looking at the life of Jesus. And I was wrong. God doesn't bless perfect people. In fact, what you're going to see is it's the perfect people that he gets in conflict with. It's the perfect people that are angry with him. They're trying to trip him up. They're trying to prove him false. It's, it's the perfect people that are upset with him because he's hanging out with real people. And what do I mean by real people? People who aren't perfect. People who have problems in their lives. People who have difficulties. People who have struggles. People who have failure, who carry shame. And when you look onto this gospel, you begin to see that there is a divide taking place where Jesus is reaching out to people who, who, really, who really, in the religious system of their day, they had no hope. There's no way they could, you could fit in, all of a sudden become like these other people, these self-righteous people. Because first of all, self-righteous people are gatekeepers. They only let certain people in. You know what I'm talking about? And, and so Jesus is not reaching out to those kind of people. Jesus is reaching out to normal, everyday, working class people who aren't going to be accepted. And so he comes in conflict with these people. So when I'm reading this gospel, I'm realizing, man, we got it so wrong in our churches today. We got it so wrong because we want perfect people. And, and you know, it's like, you can come, welcome in, 
but walk in like we want you to walk in. And so when you look at this gospel, you're going to see that there is a contrast between really what is the self-righteous and those who Jesus refers to them as the neighbor, the good neighbor, those who reach out to others who really are showing love towards others, even to people who aren't like themselves, to real people. So I want you to notice with me the story. We're gonna we're gonna look here at these verses. There's just 13 verses, but there's a lot here that I think we need to grasp today in our lives. Look with me at verse 10, in chapter 10, verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? And he answered and said, You shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down the road, And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day, when he had departed, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him. Whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Basically, folks, we can divide this passage into two sections. We're going to look at the self-righteous, and then we're going to look at the issue of the neighbor. So let's talk about the self-righteous. Let me just stop for a moment. Do you understand what I mean by self-righteous? It really is reflective of a person who is a religious person. A self-righteous person is one who thinks that they are okay with God, They perform the religious rituals. They they go to all the functions or whatever. And in Jesus' day, they were those who kept the law perfectly, or so they thought they did. They, They assumed that they kept the law perfectly. They passed judgment on others. That's one of the things you're going to find out about self-righteous people, is that they think they're okay, and they think that everybody else is not okay. So they pass judgment on people continually. In a lot of ways, when you look at the Bible, when it talks about the self-righteous people, now, usually the self-righteous are described in the Bible in several ways. They're described as Pharisees. They're the epitome of the self-righteous. And sometimes the priests. And what's going on here is we have a lawyer. Now, let me explain to you. He's not a lawyer as in a sense of a lawyer that we have here in our community, you know, with the county seat right over here. We've got a lot of lawyers in town. It's not that kind of lawyer. 
what we're talking about here in their day was an expert in Jewish law. That is, he knew the first five books that was considered the law of the Old Testament. This person would be the one that you would go to if you had a question concerning the law, the Jewish law. That's why he was called a lawyer. And so what we're going to see here is that there's this Jewish lawyer. He's with Jesus. Maybe he's in the crowd. Obviously, Jesus is teaching because everybody's sitting down. And this guy stands up. And he's got a question. Now, here's some things I want you to see about a self-righteous person. First of all, there's no interest in learning. There's no interest in learning with a self-righteous person. What you understand when you find a self-righteous person, church person or whatever, one of the, and you know what I'm talking, how many of you know what I'm talking about when we talk about a self-righteous person? You've met them. They're, they inhabit our churches. When you have someone like this, the issue isn't what can I learn. These folks think that they have already arrived. Do you understand what I mean by that? These folks think that they already know everything there is to know about God, about His Word, and about life in general. They've arrived. And so this guy stands up and he asks Jesus a question. Notice with me, verse 25, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now let me explain that question to you. First of all, let me explain what he's doing here. He's not asking a question so that he can learn from it. The passage very clearly tells us he's asking the question to test Jesus. Some of your translations will use the term tempt. He's asking the question to trip Jesus up. He's wanting to disprove Jesus. He's wanting to hear what Jesus has to say so that he, the expert in the law, Mr. I know everything, if Jesus says something wrong, he can stand up and show himself as being more superior than Jesus. And so the first thing I want you to see about this self-righteous guy is, is that there's, there's, he's learned everything. There's no interest in learning anything more. What more is there to learn? Let me tell you, I thought I was going to explain to you the issue of the eternal life. This Jew here is not asking what does he do to inherit eternal life, but really his question has to do with what does he do to inherit the blessings of eternal life. Because to the Jews, they all thought they were going to heaven because they were what? Jews. So what I want you to see here is that there's no interest in learning with this guy. So Jesus says to him, okay, what do you read in the law? He kind of reverses it. He, he asks a question back. Jesus didn't just immediately respond to the guy. He says to the guy, okay, well, what's your reading of the law? And so the guy responds back, which is a classic answer, well, to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, folks, those two things are from two different passages, but they were known as the great commandment. To love God and to love other people, to love your neighbor. So that, so this is how the lawyer responds. And Jesus says, well, good. Do that and you'll be okay. Now, here's my second point. There's a need to justify actions. When you talk about self-righteous people, here's the thing, folks. They think they're okay but in reality, they're not. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. And, and, you know, when they think they're okay, when you point out what's wrong with those self-righteous people, what do they tend to do? Immediately, what happens? Justification. The excuses roll. They flow out of them readily. 
I've shared this story. I've got to share it again because it was a funny story. I've got to share it with you. Some of you don't know it. You know, as a boy growing up in South Carolina, down the road was an auto wrecker. And my dad would go down there and get our vehicles. He had a garage and, and, and he had all the junk out there too. And we're in the office one day. It's a hot July day in South Carolina. And you've got to understand, that means 100 degree weather, high humidity. So we're in his air-conditioned office. And his wife comes in. Now, you have to understand, she's, she's part of the holiness movement down there, a group of churches that are in the holiness movement. So she's got her hair, long hair, all up in a bun, a honey bun, as they say down there. And she's wearing a dress, and she's got sleeves down to here, down to here, and dress down to here. And, and, and uh, somehow, as always, religious things come up. And I'm not a Christian yet, you understand? And she's sitting there saying, I've gotten to a place where I no longer sin. And my dad said, really? Oh, I don't sin. Now, her husband is sitting over at the desk there, and he's just laughing. hes I mean, we're talking belly laughing. Ho, 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 ho. And she looks over at him and says, now, you be quiet. You know I just make mistakes every once in a while. What was she doing, folks? Justifying. She's self-righteous. I don't sin anymore. First of all, folks, the Bible says if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. She's justified. Self-righteous people justify their actions. So here's what's going on. Jesus says to him, well, you know, here's, yeah, that's a good reading. You're right. Now you go and do likewise. Now here's what the guy does. Oh, I feel uncomfortable with this, so I'm going to justify the fact that I'm not living up to it. So he asks another question. Who's my neighbor? You have to understand what's going on here. Back in that day, among the Jewish scholars of that time, the rabbis, as they would sit around, they would argue because they understood the implication of it. The implication was is that Jesus is saying that I need to be a good neighbor to my neighbor. I need to love my neighbor. So, But I don't want to love people because I don't like everybody. So then the argument became, well, what's a neighbor? Who's my neighbor? So this guy is justifying his actions, and so he throws a question back at Jesus and says, Well, who's my neighbor? Don't we do the same thing? We deflect self-righteous people. They deflect it off of themselves like, I'm okay. It's your problem that I'm not living up to it. So he goes on here. This is the other thing I want you to see now, is that there is a distinction between people with self-righteous people. There is a distinction between people. What do you mean by that, George? Well, when you've got a self-righteous person, they think they're okay. They think they're, they're it. They've arrived. They don't need to learn anything more. They justify their actions when they do wrong. And, and really, what they do is, is they look down their nose at other people. It's a subtle trap. Say, so what do you mean a subtle trap? I mean, here, here, let me explain to you. It happens a lot in churches. Maybe you're here. You've never been divorced. You know, that's commendable. Wonderful. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, there's a trap there. You better listen to me. There's a subtle trap of pride. Because what you'll do is, is you'll look down your nose at somebody who has been divorced. You know what that is, folks? Self-righteousness. Because I'm going to be honest with you, the reason why you're not divorced is the grace of God. You understand what I'm saying? Is given the same circumstances, same situation. Who's to say you wouldn't do the same thing? Galatians 6.1 talks about that. You know, you who are spiritual, go to the one who's fallen. 
but with, with gentleness and meekness, recognizing what? That it could happen to you. See, self-righteous people make a distinction. Well, you know, I'm not like that guy over there. This is where this guy's at. Who's my neighbor? Because in his mind, his neighbor are only people who are what? Like him. Because everybody else is written off. And let's be honest, folks. I've been, I've been pastoring for almost 16 years now. I've been a Christian for 25. I've been a lot of different churches, big churches, small churches, pastor. This is my second church I'm pastoring. And I'm going to be honest with you. I've been around Christians. Some of you have been around Christians a whole lot longer than I've been stomping around on this earth. Let's be honest. In church, we got a lot of self-righteous people, don't we? We're, we're more like this guy where we make distinctions with people. And Jesus shows that because he starts this parable off, and here's what he does. He tells a story. He talks about a guy who leaves Jerusalem, and he's going to Jericho, down to Jericho. Now, let me explain to you. He's not going south because Jericho is actually west of Jerusalem, but he's coming. Jerusalem is up on a mountain, so he's going down the mountain. He's taking a 14-mile journey to Jericho. And as he's going to Jericho, he meets up with some robbers. And they beat the daylights out of him, leave him for dead, steal all that he has, and he's laying on the side of the road, bleeding, dying. Jesus says, some folks come by. The first one that comes by is a priest. Now, immediately, this lawyer would have identified with the priest. Hey, this is the kind of people he hangs out with. But notice what Jesus said. The priest did this. He sees the guy, walks over to the other side of the road, walks on by. The next guy comes by is a Levite. Now, the Levi are of the tribe of Levite. They were specifically chosen as a tribe to aid the priests in their duties as far as leading the nation towards the worship of God. So again, the lawyer's going to identify with this same guy. And guess what he does? He does the exact same thing that the first guy does. He sees the guy there, and whatever reason, he walks on by him. Jesus said there's a third guy. He's a Samaritan. Now let me just stop. I need you to understand that. We cannot comprehend that sometimes in our in our Western mindset. But the Samaritans were, I mean, they were just flat out despised. They were seen as half-breeds. They were rejected. I mean, to truly understand it is to, to be honest with you, if you, you grew up in the South during segregation, you understand what it means to have second-class citizens and how the African-Americans were treated back then. And, and the reality is, Jesus is saying, here comes this guy that's despised by Jews and despised especially by someone like this lawyer. And guess what he does? He reaches out to him. See, he's trying to show that this guy is self-righteous and he's making a distinction here against people. Which brings me to my next point about the self-righteous. Religious status is more important than people. Religious status is more important than people. As this lawyer is listening to Jesus tell this story, and he hears about this guy being beaten up, he's on the side of the road dying, and he hears about the priest, and he hears about the Levite, and how they just kind of pass on by as they see the guy. I mean, I can already, you can almost hear it going on in the mind of this, this lawyer. Well, yeah, I can understand why they did that, because if they touched that guy and he got blood on him, they'd be unclean ceremonially, and he couldn't go and serve in the temple. He's got more important things to do than to help that guy out. Jesus, they don't need this. It's an interruption to their day. Religious status means more than anything with these folks than people. I can't be seen with those kind of folks because, 
What will people in town say about me? That's the attitude that's going on here. That's the self-righteous attitude. Now, I want you to notice with me now the issue of the neighbor, because Jesus, when he was telling this story, turns it around with the Samaritan. We have on one side this lawyer and the people like him who are self-righteous, where, where people don't mean anything, it's all about them. And then over here Jesus is going to show them through the story of a man who is despised by them, a Samaritan, what it means to be a neighbor. And here's what it is. People are important. I want you to notice with me verse 33. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Here's what I want you to notice. First of all, the attitude that the Jews had towards the Samaritans, I need to also reflect on this, the Samaritans had towards the Jews. There's animosity going on here. There's downright hatred. But I want you to see something. There's something different about this guy, the Samaritan. When he drives by and he's riding on his donkey or whatever, and and he looks and he sees the guy being beaten up, laying there bleeding, dying in the heat, the differences didn't matter anymore. The fact that this guy's a Jew and I'm a Samaritan didn't matter anymore. Why? Because people are important. Man, we're losing that today. People are what's important. It doesn't matter what their social economic status is. It doesn't matter if they're employed or not. He sees somebody who's hurting, who's dying, and it's more important for him to take care of them than to realize, well, that's just a dirty Jew. I ain't got time for him. He treats us badly. Why? He doesn't do that because people are important. The next thing I want you to see here is there is compassion for others. I mean, the passage very clearly tells us in verse 33 that this guy had compassion. Now, let me explain to you. That word there means that he felt something within him, something within his, his intestines, something within his guts. He's just a heart-wrenching feeling of compassion going on for this guy. You know, when I read that, I'll just be honest with you. Man, I'll, I won't talk about you. I'll talk about me for a moment. When I read that, I mean, there are many times... Get a phone call, and I'm like, I ain't got time for this, Lord. Isn't that true of us? But but that's like the self-righteous guy, isn't it? But the neighbor, when he looks, people are important, and it's like he feels for that person when they go through that problem. What are you talking about, George? Well, I know what we do. I know how we are, because I'm like it. We're like, well, if they hadn't have done that, they wouldn't have that problem. If they hadn't done that, they wouldn't be going through that issue. If they'd been smarter about how they handled their finances, they wouldn't be struggling. You know what? Yeah, you're right. That still doesn't change the fact that they need help. And maybe the two guys that walked by earlier said, well, you know what? If he hadn't have gone out at that time of day, he wouldn't have been hit and robbed. Yeah, but that, that still doesn't do something for a guy who's laying there bleeding and dying. The neighbor has compassion. Here's the other thing I want you to see. There is no hesitation to help. No hesitation. He just immediately gets off. He binds the guy, washes the guy, takes care of the guy. There's no hesitation. He even goes the extra mile. He takes the guy down the road to an inn, a hotel, puts him up, gives money. Two denarii. I can explain to you what that is in their day. That's two days worth of wages. For those of you who work here, you know how much you make a day. Figure that guy given the innkeeper two days worth of your wages and saying this, if you need more, I'll be back and I'll give you more for taking care of it. There's no hesitation on this guy. Boy, how many times do we hesitate? 
And then I want you to notice how Jesus responds, which brings me to the next point about the neighbor. Jesus turns the question completely. The guy says, well, who's my neighbor? Who is it that I'm supposed to show help to? Jesus turns the question completely around through the story. Look with me. Verse 36. So which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among thieves? Here's what he's saying, folks. This is the issue. The issue is being a neighbor. The issue is being a neighbor. It's not, who should I be reaching out to? The issue is, are you reaching out? That's what Jesus is saying. It's not, who's worthy of our help? That's the attitude we have. That's the self-righteous attitude, isn't it? Are we only going to help certain type of people? No, no, no. Jesus is saying, which of these three guys was a neighbor? The issue is, you being the neighbor. You reaching out to even people you don't like. You say, George, how do we apply this to our lives? Here, I'm going to give you three things. Here's the first one's question. Who are you like? Are you, are you like the lawyer who's self-righteous, who can't learn anything, who more interested in religious status than he is, or, and like his buddies there, the Levite and the, and the, uh, the priest? Are you like him? Now, before you answer that question, because immediately some of us well, I'm not like them. Oh, hold on. You gotta, you, you gotta stop for a moment because, well, the next question will help you. Are you struggling with self-righteousness? You know, we're doing a Celebrate Recovery program here at the church and it's an umbrella, uh, program for those who are struggling with habits, hang-ups, and hurts. And as we entered into this, I, I didn't realize it, but, and it's only through others telling me this, I didn't, I didn't thought this, but, you know what? We can be self-righteous in so many different ways because you could be a drunk and be self-righteous and have an attitude to somebody who's struggling with that, with drugs. Now, both of you are struggling with an addiction, but one's legal and the other's not. And there could be an attitude about that. Or maybe you're here and you don't have a, an addiction that anybody knows about and you've got an attitude towards somebody who does do those things. See, that's all self-righteousness. Do you understand what I mean? And you don't have to go to church to struggle with those kind of things. See, who are you like? Are you like the lawyer? Or are you like the Samaritan? Those are really the questions. And then finally, be a neighbor. This is the point that Jesus is wanting to make here. As he's coming into conflict with this guy, he's making the point that self-righteousness is totally exclusive But rather, he's saying, you know what? You want to fulfill the commandments, to love God and love other people? That means love other people, no matter who they are. Whether they look like you, act like you, think like you or not. Be the neighbor. You know, listen folks, that's really what the vision for this church is. A church of real people where anyone can come and find Jesus Christ and learn to walk in obedience. You know, to be that kind of church, that means we have to be that kind of people. What? Neighbors. May God make us neighbors.
Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.